0: the West Slot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Scouseboro. Oh, yeah, you got a little Super Bowl fever hit, don't you, bud?
1: <laughs> the towns in, uh, in Ohio are changing the spelling of their... <laughs> Of, how, of their names to incorporate borough. um there's, there's a town called Springboro just not it's a little bit north of here that has um done done the obvious uh and, and are, are, are
0: we getting any lSU bur- with the eaux thing going on
1: not not yet but that is my that is my favorite um uh boroughism, I guess uh I don't know but yeah no it's yeah let's go it's let's fired it up who day
0: yeah um yeah and of course, Ben Skranik, uh the little Northwestern tie into the Super Bowl here, um, definitely be seeing, um, seeing him on special teams on Sunday.
2: I was gonna say, Scuzz, I I totally get it. You're, you know, we're all behind you, and we're, you know, in Cincinnati, and of course, like wanting the Bengals and everything. I just don't see. A scenario where the Bengals can win the Super Bowl and Ben Skoranek can still be Super Bowl MVP. (laughs) (laughs) And if he's not Super Bowl MVP, how are any of us going to catch that, going to cash that plus 50,000 ticket? That's what I'm at. That's what I want to know.
1: It's a fair question.
2: I suppose. What were some of the other odds? Like, it's it's for Skoranek to score first. What is it?
1: I think it's plus 6,500. Uh, if he's first for the Rams, I think it's plus 4,000. And then, um, I was looking for some, some over under props. I can't find anything on him specifically, but, uh, but Hey, it it is really fun to have a Northwestern player, like on the boards in a lot of these spots. We haven't, we typically haven't seen that before. I mean, Trev obviously won uh, Super Bowl with the Broncos a few years back, but, um, was third
0: string and just wasn't really in the mix. So he, he wasn't even suited up on game day. So, yeah. but, uh, and, and speak like, did, does Ernest Brown, like,
2: I, is he suiting up or is he going to be, uh, you he know? didn't suit up for the championship game. So I don't think so, but I don't, I mean, don't, don't carve that in stone. I, I don't believe so. Um, but, But yeah, unlike like even Trev, you know, right. I think I saw that plus 50,000 Ben Skoranek Super Bowl MVP odds. And I was like, so you're telling me there's a chance. That's what I'm. (laughs) To start mapping it out, you know, it's like he he maybe he as a gunner scoop and score early gets that first touchdown. Then, you know, they're so inspired by his special teams performance that they they pull him in. They're like, Cooper, why don't you take a seat, buddy? Uh, Ben's going to take us home from here and then (laughs) lights it up. (laughs) Telling you. Well,
0: Well, seriously, but I mean, we, yeah, we,
2: yeah, we joke, but what a hundred wins you what? 50,000, right? So (laughs) if, if you are so bold, 10 bucks wins you five grand if you're, if you're so, if you're so enthused. Yeah, it's Super Bowl.
0: I mean, it's the Super Bowl. Everyone loves the Super Bowl, and you know, Scuzz, you know, you you get you get to be like the hometown, you know, in that hometown uh, area, and that that feeling of you know watching your team, uh, or at least your new hometown team, you know, playing for the title, and that you know, did that few years back with the Broncos, and it, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's not as fun if you lose. Uh, <laughs> um, I, thinking back to 2013, uh, when the Seahawks just demolished the Broncos, and you know, then thinking back to the late 80s when the Broncos took three L's in four years, that was uh, that was enough to get a lot of my friends growing up off of the Broncos entirely. Um, Fairweather fans, I say. I stuck, I stuck with them. I was there in the 90s when they won back to back,
2: but that's that's either here nor there and if and if the kirk cousins train could have just come through for scuzz then we wouldn't be having this conversation but here we are yeah here we are
1: in indeed i mean look i you know the vikings haven't made the super bowl since before i was born uh we've come exceedingly close uh twice in my in the we'll call the um the apex of my fandom uh as a as a young adult and um but I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited to, to embrace this. I, you know, I was in Chicago when the bears went in what was that 2006. But, um, as a Vikings guy, I had like active animosity for the bears. <laughs> like I was pulled, I wanted them to win that game. It obviously did not work out, but it, this is a different, this is a different vibe and it's just, um, it's just been really fun, especially because the Bengals are such an, in, an underdog. The turnaround has been so stark. The, um, you know, the, 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 the city has toiled with this team. Actually, I have a friend, uh, a guy I work with, who has worked in a in a visible capacity with the team for close to twenty years. Um, and it's just it's so exciting to uh, for for the folks that have you know invested in this in this team over over the course of their their lifetimes and their fandom. It's um, it's just so unexpected and, joyf- and joyful. So I like I really hope that train can continue. I think even you know if they lose. I think people are going to be um, still pretty excited about what uh, what the potential is for this franchise going forward. So uh, it's a good it's a good place to be right now. Queen City, se- sen- center of the football world, uh, with Super Bowl and uh, CFP in the same you know three month span. Yeah,
2: yeah when I think football, awesome. I think Cincinnati for sure. The- <laughs> Damn straight. I. It's funny, though. I mean, obviously, with, with Scuzz having this connection, but then with Skoronic playing in this game, it's funny because you think you can almost fold it in with the draft, right? And I think if you're listening to this pod, chances are you're a big sports fan and have followed sports for a long time. And that means that you probably follow the NFL draft. And, like, Lord knows we're all draft junkies and we've been draft junkies forever. And then, like, last year's draft was so special because it was something we'd been so deep in on forever and ever. And suddenly it was such a Northwestern thing, the first round, right? And, I mean, to a lesser extent, but still, like, to have a Super Bowl, something that we all watch and have always watched, and know that there's going to be a Northwestern guy out there getting meaningful minutes, it's just really cool. So, um yeah, it'll be that it'll be that extra thing. Um you know, obviously we're all going to be locked in, but it's got that extra northwestern piece this year which just makes it a little bit cooler.
0: Uh we got a little bit more football news to cover uh later in the show, um but first we got to talk some hoops. Um you know, the men's team on a nice little three-game win streak. Uh finishing out close games um against Rutgers and Indiana. And absolutely putting the smackdown on on the Nebraska team, um, where they just shot the lights
2: out. Scuzz, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, just, like, I we we've had we had some discussion about this before the pod. Uh, I cede the floor to my positive uh, friend from Cincinnati, Ohio.
1: Well, look, I like there are still a lot of problems with this team, and I think we're going to get into some of the problems that. Um, Existed throughout that Indiana game, um, but I like. I just I just wanted to take a step because we've been pretty tough on the men's hoops team this year. I think we came into the season kind of with the perspective that these that, that this was it was not going to go well. It has not gone well. You know, obviously they've picked up some meaningful wins along the way. Obviously the Michigan State game uh, a month or so ago, the the Georgia game in one of the early the early tournaments. They've had some really rough losses too. But this just, you know, this felt like, honestly, the end of the of the Chris Collins era. I'm still not sure that any of that has changed. I think there's there's major problems with the way the coaching staff goes about um, preparing for these games and operating, especially in game going forward. I think, you know, you still see a lot of inconsistency and and moments of just very frustrating shot selection um, at times during the game. You know, are, are you
0: maybe talking about tactics where you? Don't pound the ball inside when the, your opposing team has suspended five players and is playing with a super short bench, trying yeah, to get them in foul trouble?
1: I, I think you could question that that choice, uh, sure. But at the same time, like this team's won three games in a row. That's not something that any of us expected this year. Um, g- granted, you know Indiana was down five players. The Rutgers game they tried to give away at the end, and the Nebraska game was a game where – like literally everything went right for Northwestern in a spot on the road where um, they were playing the worst team in the conference. At the same time, coming off of that type of like this was usually the type of spot coming off the off of that everything goes right game. Coming back home, you know, a I'll call it a geographic rival, if nothing else, like a, like a team that that you know really gets the hackles of Northwestern fans up and. Um, is seen as, you know, this this basketball program uh, in the neighboring state that, you know, has had, a will say, a fair amount of success, not in recent years uh, so much so. But point being, like, this was a game that had eyeballs on it. It had, it had lights on it. It was the type of game where, where not just the basketball team, but Northwestern in general often falters in these moments, and they didn't. And I just, like, I don't know what's going to happen on the stretch. I, I don't think we're going to, you know go on some crazy run and get to the NCAA tournament. But I do think we should take a moment and just celebrate what these guys have accomplished. Cause th- like the players, we've been saying this all year, they are scratching and clawing, they're playing their hearts out and they've notched three wins in a row in really unexpected fashion. And I just, I just want to tip my cap and say like, well, like well done boys. And, um, I'm glad, I'm glad you get to play meaningful ball here in the stretch run to the season. I, We'll be cheering for you every step of the way, and uh, and yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the positivity at that. We can get a little more critical and, and into the into the weeds here, but I just think that's an important
2: place to start. Oh, you're you're totally right, and I <laughs> I I hate this because like I, I don't want it to sound like like I'm coming in and like dismissing what you just said and being like a giant negative Nancy, and it is like it's it is very magnanimous of you to present it that way and 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 i'll start and i i'd start here too right i would say like the the core piece of it the whole core piece of it and the reason that it's great that you did that is the guys and i think it's one thing like a negative way to phrase the whole thing would be like given the way all of these years have gone This whole recent history and the way this team is coached on a regular basis, in some ways, in a bizarre way, it would almost be easier if these were not good guys and they didn't give so much effort because like so many of us would have just checked out like a long time ago. But they're not. They're great guys, and it's so obvious. And, like, like Pete Nance is the kind of guy where, like, you know, someday, you know, a girl's going to bring Pete Nance home, and that is going to make that girl's father, like, the happiest father. Like, these are just, like, the greatest guys, right? And not only that, the effort is just off the charts night to night. You watch a guy like Chase Adige and the way he plays defense, and it is just so intense. And the way this team rallies and the way that they were, like, working the crowd last night to get the Northwestern crowd into it, right, and the way that they have taken gut punch after gut punch after gut punch and still came out, right, and that this three-game win streak has come on the backs of that, you know, the close loss to, to Illinois, that Michigan gut punch loss when they played so well and lost, right, And it's just all that. It's a team that works so hard and is full of such great guys that are clearly like so great to be around the exact kind of guys you want to root for. And there's the rub because you want to root for this team. And that means you have to strap in for basketball that on a given night may be horrible basketball. And that is the thing. And this three game win streak uh, that's six halves of basketball and two of those halves were absolutely atrocious basketball. The second half of the Rutgers game and the first half of the Indiana game. And it's just it's and then and then you know of the other of the other four quarters, two were against the worst team in the big Ten by far. And granted, we put the wood to that team. So it's just rough because there are these stretches of basketball that, again, have gone all season and well predated this winning streak where it's just brutal to watch this team. And a lot of that stems from the way this team is coached, right? And it's stuff that we've talked about. And we, we, you know, put out a joke on Twitter, right, where I was basically... Um, I think I guess it was on Wednesday was basically like things started off rough but then things have turned around over the past two weeks but it's somehow been done without fixing any of the underlying issues but regardless now we'll all strap in for the finale but enough about Book of Boba Fett Uh, let's talk about this Northwestern win streak Um, and it's it's funny and you know it's obviously paralleling it and again no spoilers Sammy because I know you've seen the finale and we I have not seen the finale Book of Boba Fett but it's we joke, but it it's true because it feels like this three game win streak doesn't coincide with some underlying adjustment. It's just kind of like if you think this team wasn't lucky earlier in the season, now they kind of are lucky. Blow a twenty four point lead and a scrape by with a one point win, and then the Indiana game, which uh, the it was that was a a brutal thing to watch and. I would say the the thing that summed it all up for me was if you have any doubt that starting Chase Adige, Boo Booey, Julian Roper, Robbie Barron, and Pete Nance is starting five perimeter players unless someone forces them to be other than five perimeter players, which Chris Collins does not do. All you need as evidence for that is that with three minutes left in the Indiana game, in a situation where the other team was playing, had six available rotation players, and the entire modus operandi from the very beginning should have been to get them in foul trouble, with three minutes left in the game, none of those five starters had attempted a free throw. It just boggles the mind. Yeah. And then it... Yeah, I,
1: I'll be honest. I, th- I think you're overcomplicating it, and that it like even even before that, like there just there was you joked about it before we got on the podcast. Like Chris Collins and staff found out that that Indiana was playing Uber shorthanded, down two starters. Now, granted, they still had their two big guys, um, but they changed nothing. There was right. zero zero adaptation of the approach, zero thought toward. Well hey, let's let's still do X Y and Z, but why don't we why don't we try to get them in foul trouble? Like why like why don't we get down Oh, and by the way, hey Pete, we're going to have you guarding like their best player, which, you know, who who has a couple inches on you and some size on you, but we want you to guard him anyway, even though like this exact plan has put you in foul trouble in the past and really hurt hurt our offense as a team. Um I just it's it's mad, it's madness. Like the decisions are just bonkers. And they're so obviously bonkers.
2: And that's and that's the thing because it, it takes it back to where you started again. And it's like again, I I give you credit, and I don't even want to frame it as like high road. It's like it's not just the players, right? It's it's the students. They deserve it too. This three game win streak and those awesome crowds that oh, have been gosh, there for the so good for the yeah, Illinois game and mad, the Indiana game. Mad
0: props to the student section for really showing up. I mean, it was definitely noticeable on the broadcast. Like, great job, guys.
2: So that's all so great, and at the same time, I was super conscious of, you know, I it's, it's funny people will you know gave us all the crap in the football season about being overly optimistic, and I don't know, I don't want it to seem like I'm just like swinging hard to do an overcorrect here, you know. And go, and again, any,
1: anybody who thinks that should go listen to John's comments about the the, the men's basketball team dating back to like last season. It's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, I mean, you, we've been we've been we've been anxious about this particular season for.
2: 14 months yeah and, and it, what was so what was crazy was like the progression of events of this game where like this comes out before the game all of northwestern twitter not just us immediately coalesces around gotta get him in foul trouble this is a walk in the park ryan young draws fouls get these guys in foul trouble and then as the first half went on and it was clear that not only were we not trying to do that we were going inside the perimeter and we were just clanging threes and nothing was happening. The Dave Revson and Len Elmore, the two announcers for the game, they started to coalesce around it. And you, and like Revson who like, if any of you have been following Revson this season, broadcasting Northwestern games, if you're paying close attention, Dave Revson is aware of these things. (laughs) <laughs> and and it's like for those who don't
0: not, know Dave
1: Redson like Northwestern grad, like big yeah. Northwestern fan, but obviously has to 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 bring an air of, of uh right uh of um
0: impartiality and he does like, a great sure. job.
2: Like he's he, sure. he definitely is not a homer Right. And he's calling the game, right? Um so it's not he's you know, he's not the color man. He's you know, he's given the play by play. But you had like toward the end of the first half, you know, it's like Northwestern's still with only you know indiana still with only five team fouls uh boy ryan young lot of size big size mismatch down there in the paint and then toward the end of the half len elmore legitimately was like i don't know why northwestern's not going inside and trying to get indiana in foul trouble while all of northwestern twitter is screaming yes why is that not happening? And the kicker for me, and I didn't even talk to this about this with you guys, but, you know, there's been the running thing um, uh, of the, you know, we, how we all hate it when someone from outside the NU family uses NW, right, and how that shows up in tweets. And the, the kicker for me was there was a gambling site, a gambling Twitter page that parachuted into this game late in the first half with a tweet that was like, like clearly not connected at all, probably put some money on the game. It was checking in and being like, NW is the worst coach team ever. Why are they not getting Indiana in foul trouble? I, what is going on here? And it was just, for me, it was just like the coup de grace. And, and that's the thing. Like, like Scott said, like none of this is in a vacuum. And, and I, I know, like it. It seems like this drastic overcorrect to the sunny optimism pre football season to be going this negative on a team with a three game win streak, but it's just the to take it back to where I started, and then I'll shut up. The <laughs> hold on, hold, 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 I just looked up this stat while you're talking.
1: This is gonna blow your mind. Trace Jackson Davis, Indiana's like. Arguably his best player, like that's, you know, what their offense goes through. He, he's he's great defensively has averaged, averaged three personal fouls per game for the last like seven games against Northwestern, zero personal fouls. We wow. literally drew yep. zero oh personal God. fouls,
2: right? Well, against and their again, best player. Well, it's funny. I I was about to shut up, but you said that, and it reminded me of something else, which was uh, Galloway, right? So, like Jackson Davis was the guy we knew was going to be the threat, um, and and he was, but then Galloway was the guy who kind of took his additional minutes and had a really strong game, right? And was really strong right up until the end, where I think there there were three three particular fouls that were drawn. Um that jumped out to me. One was when Geronimo got his fourth foul, and that was when finally an Indiana guy got in foul trouble and had to come off the floor, right? And then late in the game, when suddenly Galloway picked up those two flagrants, late in the game. All three of those plays happened on a play where the guy who drew the foul, twice Ryan Young, once Pete Nance, did not touch the ball on that play. Those were a mix of just luck, and then, as you said on Twitter, scus, like, Galloway deciding to, to do his best Grayson Allen impersonation. Um, and those were all huge fouls in the game, and it was just—we kind of just lucked into them. So, again, it's like—to to take it back where I started, if, if this team wasn't composed of great guys who were high-effort guys, it would have been so easy to just check out a while ago and just be like, enough— but it's not. It's great guys that you want to root for. And because of that, we sit down game after game prepared that that something like this might happen and that we're just going to have to grit through it. So, yeah, now we have this weekend uh, going
0: down to Champaign, uh, taking on Illinois team that we played really, really tough, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. You know, that that's our last loss. And, you know, wouldn't it be great to uh, – Try to avenge that you know down in their barn <clears throat> the way they came into ours and knocked us off. Then we're home against Purdue, yeah, the number three team in the country. That that Purdue, the team that's currently leading the Big Ten at uh, ten and three. So that'll be fun. But after that, Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State, Iowa, Minnesota. Minnesota is two and ten in conference. Nebraska, oh Nebraska won a conference
2: game. Good for them. Um, I- previous result oh, sorry go ahead you finish off no
0: Penn State you know four and eight like we're playing teams that are below us in the standings so like theoretically you know we we dropped the two that we expected to drop and then win four of the last five now we're looking at 16 17 wins on the season
2: uh, on raw talent the the ceiling for this finish is six and one like, I mean, it's like we played Illinois tight earlier. We know our team's loaded with a bunch of great athletic guys who can get hot and play awesome defense. And it's like, you know, this if these things have all been true, right? So, I mean, it's like, but you, you look and it's like, all, yeah, we play a lot of teams that are dealing with their own problems right now. Well, um,
1: I, like variations on a theme. Some of the big complaints coming out of – the last Illinois game and the Purdue game were the fact that, um, I, I believe we had Nance trying to guard Coburn in the Illinois game. Um, that's got himself, dumb, got himself in some foul trouble, did not try to get Coburn in foul trouble. Like, like, uh, like Kofi Coburn is Illinois offense. Like, right. you, like, like, yes, he is a better basketball player than Ryan young. He's probably a better basketball player than Pete Nance. But if we're not even attempting to get inside and do some stuff there, like, and, and, and maybe it doesn't need to be like pound the ball into Nance and let him try to drive the hoop, like, or, or, or let him, you know, work in the lane, like, Boo, boo, Drive to the hoop. Like, let, like, 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 let's try to get some fouls. It's not just loft threes early in the shot clock from around the perimeter. That's the the, the frustrating part. So it just it just doesn't seem to be a plan from the coaches. And we've seen this for so long from Collins, and not just this season. Like, like, folks out there that are that are upset about you know the decisions that that Boo or Adige or others are making. Like, yes, those guys bear some responsibility, but like, the coaching is is at the heart of this, folks, and. Um, Purdue's another one, like uh, Edie. They're their gargantuan center Zach Edie, who's who's impossible for Northwestern to guard. Um, is another player that you can get into foul trouble if you if you attack him, but you have to attack him to do it.
2: Yeah, and I it's funny too. I I was just laughing thinking in terms of uh, again the aforementioned optimism. So now now again, like part of me, I feel like the the uh, the dog that bit its owner now is like hiding underneath the hiding underneath the the cabinet or something (laughs) like that because I'm like I I want to come back and think like I think of like Scuzz when we were freshmen right and how we kind of came in at year what was it year six for Evan Eschmeyer right so so for so many other Northwestern fans they'd have been on such a long road whereas our our slate was just totally clean right and and that season was was a mixed bag but there were a couple big wins right I think there was that win over Purdue at home right um and just and we were just as freshmen just enjoying those like free of any baggage that predated that time, right? And I think if like you know for Northwestern freshmen or something, right now they're not carrying the baggage that we're carrying right now, right? And they're looking at this three game win streak and just like are thinking, This is amazing, let's ride this as long as we can ride it, right? And and that's awesome. Um, and then there's this other wing of like the veteran Northwestern fan bases to, to take it back to. To um, s- stones and glass houses relative to optimism, the <laughs> amount of nu Twitter that jumped to Northwestern's postseason chances, like out of the, uh, it was kind of like, all right, let's simmer down a little bit here. Yeah, like 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 getting upset that that you know this a, a
1: win over Indiana is not going to look so great if they have five guys suspended. Like that that cart is about six miles in front of the horse, folks.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, and and plus I'm just like. The idea of an NCAA tournament resume here, I'm just like, Lord Lord Mm, have mercy. Lord have mercy. If you think that the fact that we play a bunch of bad teams down the stretch is the same as a bunch of Northwestern wins, like, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit, right? Um, Well, let me me stop you there. Hypothetically
0: speaking, we beat Illinois and Purdue, and then then if, then what that much of time
2: like sure if we beat illinois and purdue i literally just finished reading though an article about how michigan state's resume is really like has major flaws right now mainly <laughs> because we look like a quad 3 loss right now and uh and so let's just say northwestern is not viewed in a certain light in college basketball world despite this three game win streak but you know
1: Well, I think, I think there's, there's two elements here. And one is like, to your point, John and and Sam, you said it as well. Like the cats have a pretty favorable final seven games. Um, There's, you know, they're, they're playing the bottom part of the conference um, in, in five of those and have a good chance of of winning those five games. They've got two really tough games, you know, but something is probably going to go off the rails at some point. Um, and we're going to see something ugly and, and, you know, but, but regardless, like there's meaning meaningful basketball to be played. And um, it's going to be, you know, a, a good stretch for these guys at the same time, I think, you know, there's, there's nothing that has transpired this season to make me think that, that the Chris Collins, you know, experience should continue. He is just, he and his staff are just outmatched in these, in these in-game situations. I, I, you know, one of the things we've been talking a lot about, and 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 this is fueled in part by the comments that you know Nick Medline has been making, the conversation we had with Jordan Ash last year around, you know Ryan Young and what he brings to the to the team, is this this concept of like, could we please see Young and Nance on the floor together, like like like, what is it that prevents us from putting what appear to be our two best players out there at the same time. And I, I
0: could you just imagine an inside
1: outside game with young and Nance? Well, and like like crap, like Nance loves he ever, every game, every game, the announcer at some point, like put this on your bingo card or, or on your drinking game. I guarantee you're going to take three shots. Like Nance is a great passer. They always pointed out. He loves finding his teammates in good spots. Like it's not just a, a, a skills match. It's a personality match that, now, who knows? I've never seen these guys play them in practice. Maybe they can't stand each other. Maybe it would not work, but on the surface it just it seems crazy that they're not doing it. But what I want to get to is I asked Nick Medline during that last game, like, what is the argument? What is the rationale that that you wouldn't play these players together? And he had some really interesting comments, like, one being like defensive flexibility because um, with with Baron and Nance out there, you just have a lot more ability to to mix and match, you know, who they're guarding and 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 what they're doing, whether it's you know inside or outside, et cetera. On the defensive end, there's some some uh, maybe thoughts or concerns about uh, Ryan Young's foot speed and the ability to get back on defense and some other components. But I just this point was really salient, and it and and so a Medline believes that the coaching staff has really fallen in love with Nance at the five and this kind of small ball lineup, um, the all perimeter lineup, John, that you kind of referenced, Um, you know, Nance has, has seen some success as they've been playing him in that role. And they just, you know, they see, they see it as, as working well for him. But then the other piece is, you know, some of these concerns, the defensive foot speed, some of the flexibility on D like Medline's point was, these are, these are big problems you need to be thinking about and solving for if you're Duke or if you're Purdue, if your aspirations are national championship. If you're Northwestern and you're struggling to, to, to be 500 and to execute effectively in games and to keep your, keep your offense from like falling off the rails for eight minutes at a time. It's, it's not about like these other nuances in the game. It's like, get your two best players out there and then figure the rest out around it. And that, and there's just, he seems to be stuck inside of his system in a way that is, um, debilitating in the back half of games when the opposing team adjusts or when um, there appear to be opportunities to do something different or better, whether it's because five players in Indiana are suspended or it's because, you know, um, you know, Ryan Young and Nance are both playing really well. Like there's this, there's this swap in and out that, 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 that always happens. And it's just, it's just, it's not great. And um, I just, I just wanted to emphasize that because I think like people who've been just half listening might, I, you know, again, think we're kind of bagging on the players and, you know, oh, the basketball is hard to watch and it's ugly. And like that starts with the coaching staff and it starts with just some of these weird decisions and the approach that they take.
0: Yeah. Like these, these are decisions that have have been like we've been seeing these for a long, long time. This is not anything new. You know, Collins doesn't change his system. It's like he wants the players to match his system, not fit the system to the players he has.
2: Yeah. I mean, and it, it kind of takes you to that place where, I mean. I, ironically, wasn't that the problem with Carmody too? <laughs> yeah. In a weird way. The I think it, it takes us to that weird place too where, I mean, there's certainly a chance, right? That like Northwestern gets a five and two finish here or something, which again, that'd be eight of the last 10. That team. It's quite a run. That team's. Going to the NIT almost certainly, sure. no, not, absolutely not the tourney unless it's Purdue they, they'd is be, one of those. I
1: think they'd be what like sixteen and twelve going into, into yeah. a Big Ten championship. Like right, they you know, they
2: need they need a run in the tournament or something like yeah. That. But right. the,
1: like the wins aren't there, the pedigree just isn't there. I just right, like,
2: I, I I it's right. This team has a Penn State loss and a Maryland loss on the roster. Both of those are bottom four Big Ten teams, but an NIT would be possible the scenario like that and then Collins is not getting fired if he takes the team to the NIT that i that i believe and then it's a well, question Collins of Collins not
0: getting fired anyway that's I, a, that's kind of how I, I feel
2: too i, I just like
1: all I, the signaling from greg and, and others i think the buyout I, is still too much
2: um i know i mean i it's i mean again it's like they're with why is North, games, why
0: is northwestern worried about a buyout i don't know like it's come on
2: <laughs> but again, but again, it's like if if you look at the way, even with like a four and three finish or something like that, you know, I mean, I just, it's <laughs> Sammy, have you seen what we pay our assistant coaches on the football side? I know,
0: I know, but like <laughs> this is Northwestern freaking University with an endowment of how much, and we can't like. Sorry, that, that's a whole other tangent. I just yeah, no, I'm not going to go I, down
2: tonight. And again, it's like it's like I don't it. It's just it is it is what it is, right? And again, I guess it's like, well, then let's let's go for let's go for the guys. Let's go for a Pete Nance, a Robbie Baron, right? Guys, who this is their last rodeo. Um, they've never played in the postseason. Let's get these guys an nit berth and get them a strong finish. You know, I mean, and 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 that's that's it. Um, much but,
1: much like uh, Juice and Sherna, right? In, yeah. Um, whatever year that was, twenty eleven.
2: Yeah. Of course, those guys went to a ton of postseason. John Chernoff played four years, and I think went to four postseason tournaments. But, yeah. um, but the but I mean so 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 that so it is what it is, and I guess you know let's just hope that if if we're gonna find a way to win a bunch of games down the stretch that we see you know, what we saw in the Nebraska game. And again, and that we get evidence that that wasn't about Nebraska, that was about Northwestern, right? And that we get to see some sort of finish like that and that we really feel like this team is playing great basketball and straight up beating the teams on the schedule, right? Um, and let's let's just have that. That would be an awesome end to, to this season that, that puts at least, I'm not, again, I'm not going to project on everyone else. That would put me in a much better frame of mind. <laughs> Um, on the
0: women's side, uh, also, you know, a nice couple wins in a row. Um, hasn't been the season that the, the women have wanted this year. I mean, that that's, you know, definitely not, you know, coming off last season's run in the NCAA tournament. This is definitely not what we were hoping for. Um, you know, Veronica Burton is carrying this team and there's a lot of youth. Uh, you know, we're sitting at five and five in conference, 13 and eight overall. Um, coming off wins against Purdue and Penn state, uh, going to Minnesota for a makeup game, uh, tomorrow, uh, Friday, as, as we record this on Thursday night,
1: also going for three in a row. The, uh, yeah. the
0: women are, yeah. Um, and then, you know, two games against top 10 opponents in a home game against Michigan. And then on the road in Bloomington against Indiana, and then finishing off the season, uh, at Illinois home against Purdue. And then at Nebraska, um you know Illinois is is terrible Nebraska is about the same as as Northwestern is uh at least in in record and uh you know Purdue is in kind of in the same boat you know 5 and 8 in conference Nebraska's 6 and 6 we're 5 and 5 Um so yeah I mean like Burton 17.7 points per game 6 assists per game she's doing what she she's doing everything she can do and it, like it's all, the, the, the first years are having some growing pains and, and that's not to be unexpected. It's to be expected. They're playing their asses off too.
1: It's, it's all about the secondary scoring and it's just, it's just been inconsistent. And the reason it's been consistent and it's been a problem is that teams are focused on Burton. They've been, um, teams have been deploying a zone against Northwestern a lot more often because it, it limits Burton's ability to drive. Which has been such a critical part of her game, um, stretching back, you know, the last two seasons as well. And the outside shooting um, has 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 not, you know, come around. It's been a struggle, you know. Like, I I think I still think the lack of Sydney Wood, um, you know, you you haven't seen nearly as much offense from Courtney Shaw this year like you did last season. I think those players, you know, obviously Wood has been injured, but um, you're not getting the inside presence Kaylee Walsh was, was doing it for a while. She's um, kind of slowed down in, in, in recent weeks now against uh, Penn state where Northwestern needed. Um, a, 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 a 13 point advantage um, in the fourth quarter for them to come back and win that game by six. They were, they were down and they, they really had to gut it out, but they also got huge scoring three point shots from uh, Lauren Satterwhite and uh, Leah Hartman uh, Hartman's been, um, you know, a bit of a revelation. She's, you know, entered the starting lineup a few games ago. She's been playing really well. Shooting great
0: from three. I mean, 47.6%. And that, that
1: that's the, that's the ticket. If she, if she has an off night and there's not a Satterwhite or, um, a Walsh or a a Kayla Rainey who had a really good game against Purdue to kind of step up into that secondary scoring spot. It's, uh, it's going to be really tough for Burton to do it alone. And I think, um, you know, it, it, it it is going to come down to, the outside shooting, the consistency there. And then, uh, Northwestern needs to be, they, they need to be able to play their game. Right. I mean, they're always going to be on the defense, good on the defensive end. And it's just, it's, it's finding that offensive rhythm and and being able to break down, you know, f- force teams on de- on defense to, um, to operate a little bit differently. And it, it's, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough stretch here. They got two, just like the men, they got two massive games coming up, you know, with Michigan and Indiana and, Outside of that, we're looking at, you know, probably in maybe an NIT. I, you know, they're 13 and eight right now, so they could you know presumably finish 16 and 10. Um, so, we'll, you know, we'll see how we go. Uh, we're 17 and 10, I guess, going into tournament time. So that, that would certainly be enough to get into the into the postseason. But um, the tourney does seem a bit of a stretch for the squad right now as well, which is which is rough, just given how much excitement and, and, and how amazing the play of Burton has been, despite the the defensive attention.
2: Well, let's speaking of Burton, right? I think in, an interesting way to frame this would be. I mean, first of all, this team's all their goals are still ahead of them. Like you, it would take a hell of a run, like you said. Like they'd have to maybe not win out, but if win out, but for maybe one of those two massive matchups or something like that to get into the NCAA tournament. But the NIT is a very real possibility, right? And I think we all remember the NIT was the massive coming out party for one Veronica Burton and that I think a lot of us who were watching at the time felt like that NIT run all the way to the final against Arizona was where the switch flipped for her and and once it did she was one of the Big Ten's best players for the next three years and I think that's one of those things where again circling back to all the young potential on this team it's possible that you, that, you know, this team may end up in a situation where they're in the NIT and we have the opportunity to see something like that again. So, um, regardless, yeah, there's a, everything to play for for the woman down the stretch. And every one of these games is going to be super important.
0: So, you know, that that's basketball. We've got uh, some spring sports coming up softball and lacrosse, uh, both about to get started this week. Um, and, and we've got a little bit of a preview on, on both these teams. Uh, where shall we start? I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking lacrosse, you know, number one sure. for a lot of last season, uh, n- number one seed going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, just ran into a defensive juggernaut against Syracuse in the final four. And, uh, you know, coming back, you know, the, the big, the big news. And we talked about this earlier, but, um, Izzy Skane, out for the year with a torn ACL, that is a, I, I mean, that's a huge loss. You know, she it was easily the number one scorer uh, with a bullet, but there are, there is other scoring on this team. Like, it's, it, it,
2: it, it's I, so, it's so funny, right? Because it's, she, we're losing arguably the best woman's lacrosse player in the country for this season, and the, the team that we are still rolling out is so stacked. <laughs> it's just like, it's like just Lauren Gilbert, like Gilbert Palermo, Dwyer Girardi, Koykendall. Like these are all massive players, right? These are some of the Big Ten's best players, some of the nation's best players. It's just, this is what, when you have, you know, a team that's expected to contend for a national title. This is the kind of roster, and it's just funny to to reach that time of the year again where we're just reminded how much flipping talent is on this team.
1: It's it's really interesting because it's not just it's not just game. Uh, Sammy, Sammy Mueller, and um, Lindsey McCone are also you know have graduated. That's three of Northwestern's top scoring players from last year. Um, I go back to something we talked a lot about last season, and that is. You know the the hallmark of Kelly Amante Hiller's successful lacrosse teams have has always been draw controls and defense, and they've they've also always been able to score because like obviously you can't win if you're not going to score. Um, and I'm not in no way am I suggesting that um, the losses of those players is, is is a good thing, but I think what's more important is that you're getting Jill Girardi and Brendan Dwyer back. Who were both spectacular in the draw circle last year? I think that was really the spark that keyed um, North, Northwestern's resurgence um, and and the 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 length that they went uh, in the season. Like Northwestern has recruited very very well. They have a lot of talent on the team. They're going to find goals. You mentioned Lauren Gilbert, uh, John, Ally Palermo, like. Um, they have other young guns um, that are going to be able to, to find the back of the net. I think the much more critical piece for Northwestern going into the season is that they, they bring that infrastructure in in the draw circle and on defense uh, that gives them the best shot of, of of going a long way. They they might win the Big Ten regardless of any of this. I mean, they they could win the Big Ten and and you know not not be considered a, a viable national championship uh, contender you know, with the likes of, of Syracuse or North Dakota or Notre Dame or whoever else is, is in that, you know, top, top echelon right now. But um, for my money, the fact that if, 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 if Girardi and Dwyer uh, can do what they do and then, you know, I think they will find players to step up and fill some of the scoring void, um, they're going to be in really, really good shape.
2: I think that one of the common threads between the lacrosse team and the softball team, which we'll talk about in a second, is that it's like the season's about to start up and I don't know, we we can pull up the schedule, but it's kind of like, I know you're all out there still very much in like a winter sports frame of mind, but you got to start to allow your brain to pivot because the non-conference schedules for these teams are so flipping ludicrous. That it is like, like, we'll have to, the lacrosse team, their, what are they? What, um, their preseason is number, I, I got, is, I got it right here. I think they're number four, Go right? ahead. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Number four going into the season. They're starting off on Saturday at Boston college, uh, next Monday at home against Marquette. Um uh, the following Sunday at home against Arizona state, they traveled to Notre Dame at home against Syracuse on March 1st, you know, try to a, a little bit of a revenge spot. It's a, t- North, it's a tough schedule at North oh, Carolina. It's, it's, Stony Brook.
2: It's literally all the best teams in the country. That's who they're playing. It's like, they're just playing. They're one of the top like eight teams in the country. And they're going to play the other, the rest of the top eight teams in the country. Like, it's just, it's ludicrous. It's, and I mean, that's, it's what you want. I mean, it's these teams are all going to take trade haymakers early And then a ton of them are going to meet each other again in in conference and and tournament play. It's been how they've always done it. It's just, it's wild because it's like you're going to get, um, what's the first, when's the first, uh, marquee, um, uh, one in the, in, uh, the Fitzcarlton. Um, that, that's, yeah, that's the, the home opener against Marquette. Oh, okay. So we got Marquette now Marquette's not a top, um, they're not a top team, correct? I don't believe so, but uh, do we have do we have any big name coming in? Um,
0: yeah, Arizona State on February
2: 20th, Syracuse on March 1st. So I mean, Cuse on March 1st. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's massive. I mean, that's get get yourself over to that one because that's I mean, and again, that's what we're talking about, right? Like, I know you're thinking it's March. Yeah, that is a massive sporting event uh, in a phenomenal facility on the first day of March. So it's like you know. Get your butt over there and watch it. It's it's just it's awesome. It's just cool, and it's just here they are. Here come these juggernaut teams. It's it's already time. Uh, you know, looking at the softball team, you know, also
0: coming off an NCAA uh, tournament run, um, a lot of, a lot of talent coming back. Uh, you know, Danielle Williams. Enough said, I mean, right? Pfft.
1: I mean, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to liken, I feel like there's a lot of parallels between the softball team and the women's basketball team, namely in that. So that, there's some other big players that come back along with Williams. Um, Jordan Rudd is, you know, possibly the best catcher in the big 10. Uh, Rachel Lewis was uh, arguably the best all around player for Northwestern last year. They do lose Morgan ne- Newport. They lose uh, Mac Dunlap. their third baseman. Uh, Mave Nelson returns at shortstop. Skylar
0: Shellmeyer's back. Shellmeyer's
1: back as well. Yeah. But like Williams is is, you know, the ace and the giant question mark to me is is you know Newport uh pitched a fair amount last year as well um, and was solid like can someone stand up and be um the the form the partnership with Williams that that would allow this team to to dominate uh, Three game series um, with other teams. And that that that's just where I feel like there's not a clear answer. Um, there's you know some promising some promising recruits. We're just we just gonna have to see how it plays out. But much in the way of like I'm not suggesting it's a it's a one woman team or anything like that. But much in the way that like secondary scoring has been critical for the women's basketball team, I feel like secondary pitching is going to be critical for the softball team because Williams is going to go out there and and win most games like, like that's just how she rolls. Um, but the question comes in that, in that, that second and fourth game of a, of a, you know, a weekend series or the middle game of the weekend series of, um, who, who can step up when Williams isn't pitching. And, uh, and that, that might be the difference between like eking your way into the world series, um, or into the, into the postseason and, and actually making a run at it.
2: I think one of the other things we've seen, too, over the past couple of seasons, because Northwestern's been such a good team, is how can Northwestern's bats do against nationally elite pitching?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good point.
2: Because the in the Big Ten, right, it's kind of been like Northwestern, Michigan, Minnesota, and then those teams just beating the brakes off of every other team in the Big Ten. And... I think the problem is when Northwesterns face pitching from those two teams, but then like you know, the national, the kind of teams you face when you go to the NCAA, the bats have kind of gone cold a little bit. So that's kind of the other piece. I mean, you've got you talked about again, right? They need to find um, someone else in the battery to go with Williams, and then I mean, but it's like well, you have Williams, and then you have her battery mate Jordan Rudd. I mean, there aren't many better pitcher catcher combinations, right? From a defense, I mean, Rudd has an absolute hose, right? We saw it last season. I mean, she's a great offensive player, but inter- as far as a defensive catcher, there are a few better. And you pair that with an absolutely dominant pitcher, and there is a level of team that just can't score against Northwestern. But then you get to the very best of the best, um, and the question is, yeah, where can we find the the offense and, like you said, the pitching depth to stay with those teams? But man, not like the lacrosse team. Uh, the, all the, the tires are going to be kicked on all these teams on all of these things uh, plenty, very early. Yeah, you talk about the best of the best. I mean um,
0: you know Northwestern is not ranked in the coaches poll, but uh, d1softball.com has us at uh, 23 uh, but our opening uh, opening season tournament in Leesburg, Florida, the Northern Lights Invitational, uh, we got games against number 13, Vatech, and number 24, Liberty. The next weekend, um, we're out uh, against number three, UCLA, number 15, Clemson, number five, Oklahoma State, uh, in, in back-to-back games, and that's down in Clearwater at the uh, SBC Elite Invite. The next weekend, heading out to Palm Desert, uh, California, where we got a uh, ranked Oregon, a ranked Washington team, Um, you know we're, we're playing a lot of it's unbelievable top top programs early
2: it's it really is amazing like the 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 degree to which northwestern softball is just going and playing all these teams and and you know scheduling these tournaments and going down and and some of these tournaments where it's like every other team is ranked and northwestern's one of those teams too but it's very much the schedule of a top 25 team and i i would guess that a big portion of the Big Ten is not playing a slate like this, but it's the kind of aggressive slate you play when you're trying to get your team ready because you're you're thinking beyond the season, you're thinking Big Ten tournament, but Big Ten championship, you know, and then a, a deep national tourney run. So, yeah, it's just, again, it's wild that in March, you know, February and March, you are going to see such high-quality you know, sporting events for Northwestern spring sports teams. It's amazing. Uh, finally, um,
0: we teased it off the top. We got a little bit of a football info, uh, tickets went on sale for the Ireland game against Nebraska. Um, you know, I, I hadn't seen the ticket prices until going in there, my God, (laughs) that, that is a spendy ticket. It's a spendy trip, but, uh, uh, Pat Fitzgerald was out in Dublin, uh, kind of seeing the sights, getting a, a bit of a lay of the land, and uh, yeah, it seemed like he had a, a pretty good trip.
2: It looks like it looks like postseason coaching vacations to Ireland are even better than postseason coaching vacations to Mexico.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 wow. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I, mean, uh, I, I, I turned ESPN off because that's all they were talking about but uh, you know I, hopefully I, we won't have to hear about Brian Harson too much longer
2: uh I I, I couldn't resist but it, it all you know it's funny scu especially you rugby fan watching Fitz taking in some rugby over um, over there and just just how cool that is right oh it's it's awesome
1: I mean he, so I mean this is the, the, this was a very effective press tour for for Pat Fitzgerald because it got all my juices flowing about wanting to try to go to Ireland. I'm not going to be able to pull it off, but um, he goes to the Guinness factory. He's you know <laughs> drinking a Guinness. He goes to he goes to a Viva I think it's a Villa Stadium um, or maybe it's a Viva. I can't remember, but uh, gets to see like live European rugby. Um, in the flesh, which I honestly, I don't know how much rugby Fitz has watched in his, in his lifetime, but um, I got to imagine that was a thrill. This is a, this is a game that like this right up coach Fitz's alley. Um, and especially the European version, it's just all like hard tackling and punting. Like that's, I mean, it like what better experience could you have uh, for, for fits who, you know, loves the, the toughness elements and other things that are, that are important in that sport. So um, just looked like a heck of a lot of fun. And um, Jameson tour. Jameson tour are just a really well done, like, um, just, you know, the, the videos, the shots, all the social media, just, just a, like a plus a plus marketing for, um, for, uh, what Northwestern is hoping is going to be a marquee, you know, um, showing by Northwestern fans next fall. I just, um, I don't know. I don't, you know, I think we, we none of us feel great about the game itself <laughs> next fall. Oh, we'll, but uh, we'll but get the, there. Don't, the visuals we're seeing
2: here are great. Don't go yeah, can't go down that rabbit hole. I have at this point, I have to stop and salute us because there are people out there like uh, NUFB uh recruiting and a bunch of other people who are like you guys have been going for an hour and you've buried the lead on the only thing I want to hear you talk about. (laughs) Hey, what can I say? We decided to flip everything on its head this week.
0: Uh, A couple big uh, recruits committing to Northwestern for the 2023 season. Um, Got our quarterback, Aiden Gray and uh, Frank Covey, the fourth um, from your neck of the woods, John. Yeah. He'll be a um, a wide receiver.
2: I mean, I guess we, yeah, I mean, we should—I guess—talk about Gray first, just because I mean, like quarterback is quarterback, and Northwestern. What a long and winding road, right, to land the the class of our class of twenty twenty two quarterback, um, and no such weight for um, for Aiden Gray, right? I mean, this is right off the top. This is great. We have our guy. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, it's it's funny too. You know, we tweeted about it, but you've got Reggie Florima and then Aiden Gray, two back-to-back classes, but these guys are, you know, two of the very best players in the Naperville area. They play for rival high schools, right? These guys have dominated that sports scene. Um, and it reminds me of Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, (laughs) years back where, uh, rival high schools, but, um, uh, seven man teammates. Aiden Smith and one Ben Skoranek, uh committed in the same class. So um, you know, if uh, if either uh, uh, Aiden Gray or Reggie Flurryman rise to the level of Ben Skoranek, this will this will all be very very good. But but it's it's just awesome. It's great. It's great that you know back to back classes again in very different ways. But big Chicago area quarterbacks, right? A lot of accolades, which is great. It's great for the profile. And, um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see again. It's like, it's, it's so it's, it's just in a weird way, almost relaxing just to be like, wow, we already have our quarterback. This is so nice. Um, and, and hopefully he'll be a foundational piece to, to help build the, the rest of the class. And, and then, yeah, Covey, um, who, as you said, he's, he is saying he's from my neck of the woods is putting it lightly. Um, he's, he's fairly close to being a neighbor. Of, of the Westlot pirate family um, with how close he is to me. But he is a Mount Prospect Knight that will someday be my daughter's high school, um, which is really cool. Um, again, this is like a high school that is like two minutes away from me. Um, it's, uh, it's really, really cool. To have that kind of connection for me, um, that kind of personal connection, not unlike everything we talked about with like the Super Bowl, the draft, it's like things you care about, and then suddenly there's a big Northwestern piece of it. So yeah, yeah, and and there's that other piece, as you said, Sammy, of of um, Covey being the proud Northwestern tradition of of guys who were quarterbacks who become wide receivers. It's a it's a rich tradition,
0: <laughs> indeed. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to get the the next year's class, you know, three in already. You know, Let's not forget Dylan Senda, uh, who we talked about when he committed a few weeks back. But, uh, you know, a, a nice nice start, you know, a couple you know, three three-star guys. And, you know, Aiden Gray in, in interviews is already saying how he's going to be, you know, recruiting other guys to come to Northwestern, you know, which is what you want to hear. From these, you know, high school kids. You know, he's a junior right now. He's got a whole other year and a half of high school before he even steps foot on campus. Um, but to be that excited uh, about it is is really awesome.
2: I would say too. Gray has so basically Gray has basically the Mac. Like his his offer list is basically almost the entire Mac. I think we are his only Power Five offer. Right now. And then if you look at Covey, like he's been, you know, in terms of offers, lightly recruited, but for the Northwestern offer. But then you realize how early it is in the cycle. And if I think the last recruiting cycle taught us anything, it is how much flux there can be um, between now and signing day in terms of how particular recruits are regarded. So... I wouldn't read too much into this one way or the other. I would say more is like Northwestern's been on its homework and got two guys it wanted really early. And, and we'll see how all the rest shakes out.
0: Just as a comparison, Reggie Florima was Northwestern's num- number one commit last year. He committed on St. Patrick's day. Um, you know, and we are having our first 2023 commit, uh, you know, in, in 2021, you know, Dylan Senda committed on December 20th and then, uh, Gray and Covey both on February 6th. So, um, a li- little bit earlier, uh, which is great. And, you know, for, but, you know, we're going to get a lot more recruiting happening. I mean, they just had a, a big junior day where they had a couple dozen guys, uh, up to campus. Um, so that, The 2023 recruiting is going. You know, you always see a few commits around the spring game or whatever it is that Northwestern does at the end of spring practice. Uh, But you'll get a lot of guys coming out to to spring ball. And, you know, we'll we'll probably see a lot more commits. You know, the majority of the uh, 2022 class committed in uh, June and July. So we'll, we'll we'll probably get a lot more.
2: Uh, this summer but
0: you know it, it's nice to get off to, on the right foot
2: absolutely I just want to throw in that as long as we're talking about recruits uh, and, and recruiting classes it seems like about once a week we get through the through the Twitter sphere photos of whatever state of being Nick Herzog is in in like a given <laughs> week Lord <And> almighty I, <laughs> I I'm just like I mean I I don't even just like get get him onto campus is kind of all i can say but it's like it's like these these pictures emerge where it's like he's at some sort of just some sort of that i don't know some sort of place where they're building a super soldier apparently like i don't know but uh it's it's just really cool to see that kind of stuff trickling in and it gets us excited about the future the future and the next generation of of the the northwestern guys that are coming in so yeah this is all this was all good news yeah, so, some may call offensive
0: linemen the fatties. Uh, Nick Herzog, not a fatty. Would beg yeah. to differ. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: I, I feel for the people that he's going to be pancaking in yes. in a year and a half's time. Um, nice. I mean, I, I feel for the
0: high school kids he's going to be.
2: You know,
1: I, just,
0: I, yeah, I, true. I I know. Come on. So, yeah, I mean, recruiting is, you know, a constant cycle. And we, we've started on to next year. So. Uh, Anything else to talk about before we get out of here? Yeah, just
1: a big sports weekend for those of us who are Northwestern inclined. You got, you know, we talked about the Super Bowl on Sunday, obviously. But then you've got the women's basketball team, um, this makeup game against Minnesota on Friday afternoon. They play again at home on Sunday. Right as that game ends, you're going to have the men's team tipping off against Illinois on Sunday afternoon. You've got the softball team starting their season tomorrow in Florida. They're going to play uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You've got the lacrosse team uh, starting starting their season as well uh, against Marquette on Saturday, I believe. So just a lot of a, a lot of action. Um, you know, we're going to be pr- probably coming back next week with a, with a heck of a lot to talk about on the Northwestern uh, sports front as uh, as these two new seasons kick off and. You know the 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 two basketball programs are in the midst of their um their their really tough two game stretches. So
0: uh, lots lots of fun to be had. Sunday's a busy day. Uh, I've got some basketball, both men and women, and then the Super Bowl. So you know, get comfy on your couch because the you know, Super Bowl doesn't start until like what five thirty Central. Just do yourself a favor
1: and don't make sure don't watch you're...
0: eight hours of pregame because well, I was gonna, gonna say gonna make sure your apps are over over.
1: I was gonna say make sure your app your apps are up to up the up the par and. Flip on the Big Ten Network through Fox Sports um, uh, or BTN Plus or whatever whatever you're willing to do. Like flip that on while you're making all your all your Super Bowl snacks, right? Like everybody's gonna be cooking that morning that that afternoon. Like you know, and, have some and, entertainment while you do it.
2: And and right now you want to start just get the head start on searching out where are the Michelin two and three star restaurants in your area because on Monday Valentine's Day. That's where you'll be taking your significant other with your Ben Skoranek MVP winnings <laughs> that you're going to bank 10, 10 to win five grand. Come on.
0: It'd be an awful nice Valentine's day. I think if, uh, if that comes through, well, uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Um, head to our website, westlotparrots.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field playing the Red Pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric i Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.